0: Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And Abby Martin. And uh, today we'd just like to mention um, if you would like to donate uh, to help Media Roots and uh, other grassroots media projects that we're involved in, please go to mediaroots.org. For every $40 donation, um, we will give you an art print or a piece of music from my record label, recordlabelrecords.org. So please check that out. Enjoy the rest of the show.
1: So there's a revolution happening. It's pretty fucking exciting, man. I mean, we haven't done a show for for a little bit because we've just been doing a ton of other stuff. Um, But yeah, I I heard that Adbusters was putting on the the U.S. Day of Rage, and I just had no idea that this was going to happen, and I just couldn't be more thrilled to see this unfolding all around us, all around the country, all around the world. Um, I heard that there's like 1,300 different... Occupy Wall Street events going on as we speak, so it's pretty awesome to be a part of it. We, um, we just went down to, to Occupy Oakland for the first day and documented some of that and just put up a little video about it so you guys should check it out, but hopefully everyone's uh, going out showing support and talking to people, and hopefully this starts, at least initiates the, the conversation that we need to be having with each other. We all know that we feel un- unrepresented, and I think this is just an opportunity for people to start communicating.
0: Yeah, um, and we shouldn't talk about this um, without mentioning some of the divide-and-conquer tactics that are being used by people out there to actually try to discredit this movement by saying that, you know, first you have the mainstream conservative engine saying things like, you know, they're just a bunch of dirty hippies and, and nudists and pot smokers. You know, they their message is incoherent. And then you have people within a lot of kind of the 9-11 truth and more Ron Paul communities saying that it's completely some sort of a new world order, um, pro federal reserve, um, you know, communist movement or something. And I don't think either of those are true. I mean, they're, they're, they're very tunnel vision ways of looking at the event. I mean, this is a Mostly organic uprising i mean i'm sure there's th- I'm sure there's some element of it that's being you know where there's money being funneled into it, like we noticed a little bit at the protest that there were signs a lot of people had the same sign that looked like it was being given out to people um it was like very professionally made, so you know there's like very small aspects of it that seem like you know corporatized, but i mean for I'd say ninety five percent of it or more is just normal average everyday people taking to the streets um and you know just like the tea party started out as it's it's a completely organic uprising and who knows i mean maybe it will become an arm of the democratic party but we that's there's no proof of that at all there's nothing pointing to that
1: yeah right and i just wanted to to point out i think a lot of people are confused about what the movement is about um initially it was put on by the magazine AdBusters, just an event that they were hoping to get you know, tens of thousands of people to occupy Wall Street in, in New York City and it ended up um, it actually looked like it was kind of going to get shut down really early and only a couple thousand people showed up initially and then it just exploded um, I think people got really pissed off with the undermining of the corporate media um, in terms of their coverage and just their uh, framing of the whole thing and I think people got really upset and realized that hey you know we need to really show our support for this because this is something that could really um, be the catalyst but I wanted to to talk about the U.S. Day of Rage initially their press release because I think a lot of people think that the movement is communist or so, sort of just anti-capitalist which really I mean I I am sure there are a lot of people in the in the movement right now that are against capitalism. Um, but you should not generalize everyone as being part of the Wall St- o- Occupy Wall Street movement as um, anti-capitalist, because that's definitely not true. In their initial press release, they actually have nothing about um, about that and about socialism or communism or anything like that. So it's just important to understand you know what's going on and not just uh, go along with the talking points we hear uh with different people in the media
0: absolutely and uh yeah i mean abby's completely right about all that and uh you know one thing people need to realize is with a lot of these protests that originate from the more left leaning people in the country there's always some fringe element of you know red brigade like communism people there you know you'll you'll always get a certain you know really you know marginalized part of the left that you know fits into that kind of other boxed in paradigm you know so so i just don't think that that's um that's really relevant when trying to observe what's going on and uh Yeah, I mean, it's just exciting to see something actually happening in the Bay Area. You know, Um, since the anti-war protest, there hasn't been anything near this magnitude at all. Uh, Nothing close. And I mean, since Obama's been in office, there hasn't been an anti-war protest, practically.
1: Yeah, uh, 16 people just got arrested blocking the entrance of Wells Fargo yesterday in San Francisco. Uh, Lupe Fiasco stopped by Occupy Oakland to give out supplies. It's just growing stronger. um, And I'm just really, really excited. I, I, this came out of nowhere. I mean, it, it didn't come out of nowhere, but I I guess I'm just surprised. Um, and also really excited to see how it's, uh, picked up steam. Um, it shows that there's a lot more people than we think that are really fed up and really are wanting to join onto this movement. It's really, really great.
0: Yeah. Right now, um, in Oakland, we were just there, was it? Two days ago. Yeah. The first day and uh, apparently right now there's a bunch of people camped out there And there's like, um, you know, I don't know It seemed like there's a, the, there's kind of a ragtag group of people there There's a, a, a lot of homeless people that are there right now And there's just an b- a b- even more diverse crowd just growing um,
1: Yeah, there's about, it looks like all, there's more tents than there were the first night And now it's taking up the entirety of Frank Agawa Plaza In front of the Civic Center So it's just really exciting
0: Yeah, for sure
1: And I just wanted to make one more thing clear. I'm reading the press release right now for the the initial U.S. Day of Rage, and it says the only statement it makes really is it talks about in a democracy, we can govern and work things out with each other. And in a kleptocracy controlled by bankers, pretty much, and when corporations own our government, essentially, we can't. Um, And so the whole point is to stop the influence of Wall Street and to stop the influence of these these corporate entities over our political system. And that's that's the real message here. And I think we can all agree on that.
0: Yeah, I think we can, too. And there tends to be this this ultra libertarian streak that people I think they subscribe a little bit too closely to where they where they'll say things like, um, well, what we have right now is not real capitalism. And if we do let the government tell corporations what to do, then the corporations are just going to pay off the government. Um, To me, that argument doesn't really hold up when you think of things like automobile uh, safety, like making sure on a, on a federal level or a mandate to make sure that automobiles, you know, don't explode, you know, things like that to me are important. Um, I can't go that far with a lot of that, you know, pro capitalism kind of stuff. I mean, i you know, I think there's a lot of pros and cons to actual capitalism and the way that it's played out everywhere. Um, yeah, I'm sure what we have now is not, quote, real capitalism, but I don't think any government system anywhere has been a pure version of what it says ever. You know, no government has ever been 100% communism. No system has ever been 100% socialism. It doesn't work that way in reality.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, interesting. I saw Michael Prenny talk, he's a... Um he's the author of The Face of Imperialism I saw him talk at Moe's books and afterward um, he was basically just promoting the tenets of socialism and saying that capitalism has failed us and I asked him is this just the form of capitalism that we're seeing and we're living under now with the corporate control is that just an inevitable um, consequence of kind of unabated growth of just letting capitalism run amok and in the um coalescence of just the globe in this current form and he was just like well yeah he said that you know it's inevitable capitalism is a failed system and that's why socialism works and i was just thinking i just feel like it's time to move past these these black and white terms because you know it's just time that we start thinking about something how we can start a new form of twenty first century enlightenment. For because sure. I just feel like we're boxed into these old school this old school rhetoric and it really keeps us trapped yeah. mentally.
0: And and it's and it's in and, and in the boxed in sense, it's like it also polarizes us heavily because it's like you're either anti socialist or pro capitalism. Or you you're either pro communist or, you know, anti fascist I mean there's just so <laughs> many different um, divides that m- that pretty much create these barriers where people aren't even willing to educate themselves on what these words actually mean and what governments have subscribed to these forms of of um, governance before. So I think that it's just a lack of education that makes people so frightened of even you know talking about th- having a rational discussion about this. Instead, there's just name calling and even um
1: you know I mean <laughs> yeah, I capitalism I, is based <laughs> on a, on an unsustainable a model it's it's based on unsustainable growth i mean we cannot just grow yeah and keep doing what we're doing and depleting these resources a, a great uh documentary is the crisis of civilization which i recommend everyone to watch but it really points out um the complexities and how everything is fits within each other we can't look at anything as an isolated event or an isolated incident it's all you know it's all integrated together
0: yeah these systems <coughs> don't exist in vacuums the food industry, um, resource supply, uh, peak oil, nuclear energy, uh, the way the economy fluctuates—you know—all these things are interconnected, just like a syst- You know, the, just like if you look at the human body, one organ function can't be looked at in a vacuum. You have to understand to understand how the human body operates, and to understand better how each organ operates, you have to understand how they're connected to the other organs in the body and how they work together. So this movie does a very good job of Of just kind of touching on all these different things that that are rarely ever kind of linked into this one symbiotic effect I guess
1: yeah exactly Uh, yeah and And this
0: is um, (coughs) Nafiz Ahmed's movie
1: yeah and Dean Dean Puckett um, they're really awesome we're gonna have them on for an interview next week but yeah no I mean I went I got a political science degree from San Diego State and yeah, I know, I, you know, you learn about fascism and socialism and communism and and uh, capitalism, but you don't... I didn't go away with my degree having a solid base of knowledge. It was just kind of like memorizing things for tests. And I just feel like I really... I, you know, school really failed me in that respect and, and having this concrete knowledge of how basic civics and just basic uh, systems of rule and governance in the world and in history, I just, I just feel like I really... Um, missed out on that. And I think it's just the education system as a whole and, and the failure to actually teach kids, uh, lasting knowledge, but that's a complete side issue. But yeah. I mean, yeah. I feel like I still don't really know. And I think, you know, when you, when you go out and start yelling at people and, and generalizing entire groups of people or movements like this as one or the other, you're really losing that. Um, first of all, if you don't really know, The history and the complexities of of you know the past of these forms of governance, and and then it's also you're losing the chance to go and talk to these people. Um, Tyler's brother Nate from We Are Change, Rhode Island, went out uh, to occupy Wall Street in in New York, and he said you know a lot of people there were anti-capitalist, and a lot of people there were talking about socialism and stuff. And he said, but they were all completely open to. Um, fluctuating their ideas and expanding upon them and when he introduced a lot of libertarian philosophies they were really open to them and he just said it was like a completely different mentality than he was expecting he said that everyone was just really like loving and nurturing and really open to discussion and i think that that's that's the real key is to not shut down anything or to not don't let let these divisive thoughts
0: infect you and and make you look at people as, oh, they're the, they're, they just believe this because they're this, or, you know, I mean, you have to look at what's going on as a, you know, everybody is feeling upset at the government right now, I think, for one reason or another. There's probably very few people left, unless you're just either really young and you're not really paying attention at all to politics. You know, anybody who knows anything about politics at this point in 2011 thinks it's a joke, I mean, or mm-hmm. or or is pissed at it. I mean, who are you going to find who doesn't have a complaint to level mm-hmm. the government? You know, there's I, I just it's, you know, either you always run into those people who are like, oh, I think it's fine. You know, they're, they're, I, I like both parties and whatever. But I think those kind of people are becoming increasingly less and less. Even, the, you know, the least opinionated person you run into will have something to complain about.
1: Nowadays. Or I love when people are like, I don't you know, I'm not into politics and you're like, well, it's not really like a hobby. Like you're into automobiles or you're like into collecting buttons. I mean, it's just kind of something that that affects every single thing you do on a daily basis. And (laughs) literally, yeah. And
0: all politics means in a literal sense is decisions made collectively between multiple people. So like what the inner workings of that process is what politics means. So to say that, um, I mean, when you say you're not into politics, most people just, mean you know, they're not into like, you know, f- following who's president or who's your congressman or whatever. But I think people need to look beyond that. And, and it's, you know, almost like in, in the TV show, The Wire, I mean, or, or, or other works of fiction that just show that the, how the bureaucracy actually operates and how on just a core level politics affects everything, everything it does. It really does. Um, Yeah, and
1: and you're affected by it Unless you're like completely isolated In the middle of Montana Living totally off the grid Then you can have the right, I guess To say, you know, I want to disengage completely But I just find it unfair, (laughs) I guess It's like, why should we be pulling your weight (laughs) If you don't have any skin in the game,
0: man Don't get in the game at all (laughs) It's like, dude Yeah, I mean, there is a part of me That makes me feel like Yeah, I mean, like you know stop being so apathetic about it but at the same time i i really can understand the the disinterest that people have it's such a turnoff it is it's so (laughs) fucking banal and and it's
1: also like after obama's just such a total abysmal failure i can't even imagine like what obama supporters are even thinking at this point like i know
0: oh god yeah what obama supporters (laughs) are thinking we didn't even get into
1: his the
0: (laughs) ultimate uh. Reversal. I mean, this, you thought he had reversed on things before. You have not, obviously have not read this story yet. Okay. Yeah. Basically, in 2004, when Obama was running for state senator, he basically said, he was asked at a and a or not, I'm sorry, he wasn't running for state senator, he was a state senator at the time. And in a and a he was asked if he would legalize marijuana. And he said he doesn't advocate for full legalization, but he advocates full decriminalization. He totally thinks people should do it. He was also asked on the campaign trail, you know, when I was asked if I inhaled, I said, "Of course, isn't that the point?" And he got like a huge standing ovation, you know, or whatever. So, and then in 2008, he was asked in another Q&A while he was running for president, "Would you be okay with medical marijuana in California? Would your policies be different than the previous administration, meaning Bush?" Um, and he said, "Yes, they would be extremely different. I think people should." be able to prescribe marijuana to their patients. And I think that places should be able to operate under California law and not be prosecuted by the DEA. And he was kind of acting like it was a resource thing that he doesn't agree with a lot of the inner workings of California law and blah, blah, blah. But in his mind, it's such a low priority that he wouldn't spend any of his law enforcement resources <laughs> on it. Right. You know, like kind of a the pragmatic, Oh, he's super pragmatic. Like that's a fucking whatever. So, <laughs> so then in 2009, when Obama gets into office, attorney general, Eric Holder was asked at a press conference if, those promises on Obama's campaign trail about medical marijuana would hold. And he basically said, yes, they would. What the president said during the campaign, you'll be surprised to know, will be consistent with what we'll be doing in law enforcement. He was my boss during the campaign. He is formally and technically and by law my boss now. What he said during the campaign is now American policy.
1: Lie. That's the <laughs> attorney general of the United States. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so this is what was actually said and on paper. So about a week ago, maybe a little bit less than that, a story broke that the Obama es- administration escalates war on medical marijuana patients. And there are just so many things in this story that are absolutely shocking. I mean, if you thought that he had been raiding a little bit too many medical marijuana places since he got into office and whatever, this this will floor you, even if you were surprised by that.
1: Yeah, this is pretty shocking. Um So what happened is 16 landlords uh, last week got a letter saying that they're in violation of federal drug laws and states that um, state laws will no longer protect them. And the IRS is actually shutting down bank accounts of businesses uh, that are associated with medical marijuana. And also within this piece of legislation... It talks about how medical marijuana cardholders will not be able to legally own a firearm. That is the most shocking thing I've ever heard. Let's repeat that. Not really, but I mean, this is insane.
0: For anybody out there who's listening who cares about Second Amendment gun rights, if you care about this at all, anybody out there, conservative people, people in the Midwest, people who are hunters, listen to this again. The, the Bureau of Alcohol, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, last week ruled that state-sanctioned medical marijuana patients cannot legally possess firearms. That means that if you are currently in possession of a firearm and you have a medical marijuana card, you are currently breaking federal gun laws and you are in violation of them. Probi- I would guess, probably a felony charge. So that is very serious. I mean, think about that. The implications of that. You are now breaking the law.
1: That's that's it's, insane. It's, it, it,
0: it's, that is one of the most drastic things that I've heard out of this story. And it's the totally conservative media has not even picked this up. And maybe because the conservative media hates marijuana or whatever, or doesn't really care about marijuana rights, you know. But this, I mean, someone like Reason Magazine or, or another entity needs to write an entire story just about that. And, and not only that, I mean, the landlord thing, 16 landlords have already received letters saying that they're yeah. in violation of law for renting to dispensaries.
1: We are about to see something very, I mean, this is a huge turnaround. This is a total 180 from the Obama administration that we're seeing about federal uh Marijuana yeah. laws, and this is yeah, we're gonna see some crazy shit happen.
0: And what does this what does this really mean on a on a basic fundamental level? You know, you could say, oh, he's they're just increasing the the war on drugs, or they're going back to their classic ways. But what he's really doing, if you really think about it, what the federal government is doing, they're almost like waging war with the state of California to show everybody else, do not do what California is doing because they have taken they have disobeyed us. If you disobey us we're gonna wage war on your state basically to me yeah. that's what it means
1: yeah it's such a fear-mongering because look at all the established businesses I mean th- I heard a statistic that there's more medical marijuana dispensaries than there are Starbucks in some cities and I don't I mean I don't disbelieve it there's a shitload of medical marijuana dispensaries everywhere I have a little app on my iPhone and you can see where they are at any given time and it's it's astounding <laughs> but I mean the fear-mongering going into just shutting them down arbitrarily raiding them um, it's going to make people not want to take the chance and it's going to really scare people to not pursuing this. And I it's agree. just a shame because we were making such progress. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just really disappointing.
0: I mean, and all it takes is just, you know, just like the FBI agents threatened me during the beheading hoax. All it takes is the word from the top and for the pendulum to swing the other way and everything changes. I mean, the the president and the attorney general just have to change their mind and everything Will come raining down. And and if you really think about all the stuff we just told you about this new medical marijuana stance, it's actually worse and more aggressive than what the Bush administration was doing for their whole eight years in office.
1: Yeah, it's officially worse. The policy is definitely worse than the Bush Definitively,
0: era. unarguably worse. Now listen out there folks, for if you're still a big Obama supporter or if you still are holding on to him as a potential person to vote for this is worse than the Bush administration, and he is waging war on california this is and if you live in California, this take this very seriously because this affects the sovereignty of all states' rights for the future
1: yeah and and to say that it's illegal for us to possess firearms if we have a card, a medical card i mean that is outrageous that uh, we cannot stand for this. This is absolutely insane. I can't believe this is happening I mean. What does this mean,
0: you know? It means that some extremely serious showdowns are going to happen. California, I mean, Jerry Brown might roll over or whatever. Jerry Brown is the governor. He's a total um, career politician. You know, he's completely lost whatever liberal edge he used to have. So that's a possibility. But let's let's just say that he's slightly better than Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been in a similar position. Although Arnold did decriminalize, uh, like, under an ounce of marijuana right before he left office. It was one of the last things that he did. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it's really actually scary if you think about the implications. And <clears throat> it I, is
1: scary. It is scary. But I can't help but think how weird it was that we would decriminalize marijuana for up to an ounce when we just get off so much. The federal government gets off so much on the money being raked in with all this nonviolent offenders in prison incarcerated i just yeah. i never really realized why they even decriminalized it i mean it's amazing but it just seems like there's a lot of weird conflicting stuff going on and i don't really know how it's going to play out and and
0: you know i have my own theory on this and i don't i mean the only really thing i have to go off of it with is history and drug laws throughout history and why they've been imposed when they were and uh I just, I just can't help but think that, yeah, I mean, marijuana. If it was legal, let's just say if marijuana was the only other drug decriminalized for the history of the human race from this moment forward, then I don't think on its own it would change people that much. I don't. I think people would even probably become more lazy, more unmotivated. You know, a, a certain sp- sect of the population <clears throat> might affect them in a positive way, like marijuana affects certain people. It makes them more empathetic towards their fellow human or more passive lowers their aggression. I think that a lot of people probably, you know, get bad effects from it too. I don't believe in the theory that the world would be a better place if everyone smoked a joint. I don't don't necessarily believe that. But what I do think though, is that the government has seen what marijuana, the marijuana using community is open to. You know, they like to call it a gateway drug. But what I really think they're afraid of is that marijuana will be become a gateway drug for eventually paving the way for the legalization of other psychedelic drugs. And that's ultimately what they're afraid of happening because psychedelics, if everybody was on psychedelics and they were legal in the United States, then there would be like a revolution happening all the time. That's, I mean, that would be a revolution in and of itself,
1: I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: So I think, I mean, I think that they're almost playing this Machiavellian game where they want to show their power because if they don't show it now, then they're going to open the door more for that possibility happening. Yeah, marijuana other drugs is too close legal.
1: to other psychedelics for it sure. Is. It, was, it was always such a funny argument to the whole gateway drug thing because... Marijuana is all I mean I used to buy pot From different drug dealers And stuff in college And <laughs> and and I don't want to deal With drug dealers I don't want to have to Call a drug dealer To who does? buy weed I mean it was always Like the most awkward <laughs> Worst experience And you have to like Hang out with like fame like that you're super their bros. friend Like super bros yeah, like, those... the, like the movie Pineapple yeah. Express Like they like Hella guilt trip the guy Into like hanging out with them. <laughs> Even, who wants to do that And the drug dealers I'll tell you one thing They'll always have Harder drugs so, what is a gateway drug really? I mean, is it going to a medical dispensary and getting marijuana and leaving and not having to deal with drug dealers and not having like to be offered harder drugs or like have to deal with drug dealers to purchase drugs? I mean, there was just a study that came out in LA. The violence the violence rate went up dramatically after the closure of like, I don't know, I'll link to this, but a closure of a bunch of dispensaries and then in surrounding neighborhoods in the following weeks the the crime rate shot up. So, you know yeah. w- w- there's just so many conflicting things about what medical marijuana does and the you know legalizing ma- marijuana what it will do to the community and stuff and it's just it's just a ridiculous uh, premise
0: yeah and and the more things get globalized and the more laws in this world become homogenized and similar you know maybe everyone's hope that You know, this to me is a serious fork in the road. I felt like there was a trajectory of positive thinking among everybody where they were just like, you know, psychedelic research is at an all time Mm -hmm. high. You know, marijuana is becoming increasingly legalized in all these different states in the United States. And oh, I I forgot to mention also, this is not just California. This is every state Mm -hmm. in the United States. But California is definitely ahead of everybody else in this. I mean, there's a full on gigantic industry and money income coming into California right now from marijuana, unlike Colorado or unlike Montana or some different States, which are kind of just testing the waters of it. But this positive thinking of, of, you know, a more liberation of, uh, you know, illegal drugs, the taboo being lifted off of them is it's, I don't know if it's going to happen anymore. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, look at Amsterdam. They just made it illegal for tourists to buy marijuana.
1: Yeah, you have to get a card now
0: just like California it's no different
1: yeah yeah I mean what the hell are they thinking that's the only reason people go to Amsterdam <laughs> yeah they're about to lose I a mean, shitload of, of tourism <laughs> I don't know what happened there uh, yeah what the hell did happen are they still gonna have mushrooms like being able to buy in, in stores and stuff like they used to it's really odd so nothing N- I mean huh it's strange I love how they're trying to like clean up the streets I mean when I was in Amsterdam like outside of my hostel there's like Five crackheads shooting up and like smoking out of a crack pipe like twenty four seven. Like, <laughs> dude, I don't think that like tourists smoking joints in little coffee shops are, are the worst part of the red light district there. I mean, what? Really odd. Um, yeah, the whole psychedelic reemergence it's it, it is a strange one. Um, and I can't help but wonder, you know, yeah, we're we're here talking about how, you know, it's really inspiring to be a part of the Occupy Oakland movement and what's going to Occupy San Francisco, but. It really is lacking. Um, when you look at the rest of the country, you have Boston and Austin, D.C., New York, of course, is exploding. But I can't help but wonder what happened. I mean, it seems like there's not really... Ours is the weakest representation of this movement here. I mean, I'm just telling you like it is. I went around to Occupy Berkeley and Oakland the last two days, and this is just what I came out of it um, thinking. But I just can't, I can't help but wonder if it's like a backlash of what happened here in the 60s did all these hippies just get super disempowered and like become conservative i mean what the hell happened or do they become like burned out
0: i think idealism is at an all-time low with a lot of the the older crowd yeah i mean and i i mean who can really blame them i mean look what they went through like people who are over 60 years old they saw this you know this glowing you know power of 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 hope this ray you know in the in the mm-hmm. late 60s and early 70s it was you know all these people were standing up against the war you know there was uh civil rights you know sweeps made i mean there was so many different um positive things happening or seemingly happening that it was almost like a it, I almost look at it as like a mass PTSD, a mass, <laughs> um, all these people who were so hopeful and it all came crashing down and just kind of burned up in flames. Uh, you know, the hippie movement and stuff and the psychedelics movement. I do think that there is kind of a post traumatic stress that what they experience from that. And it's almost, it's almost like their idealism. They have to tone down their idealism because they don't want to be disappointed. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, it's it's that old psychological thing where you don't want to put yourself out there too much and be too hopeful because you don't want to be disappointed so we might as well just lower your expectations you know
1: right right well i mean yeah but still still though a lot of the people um like at the ralph nader talk that we went to are like older than 60 so it's like you see a mix you see a lot of older people still engaged on on certain levels here but you don't see a lot of young people. I don't know. That, I, yeah, I, it's strange. I don't well, really understand. Well,
0: I think a lot of young people got co-opted into politics with Obama. Like a lot of people, like you know, they're and they're engaging in the political system for the first time in their lives with the Obama administration. Especially a lot of the people who just turned voting age. I mean, the last time people who are say voting age when Obama got into office, eighteen, you know, or even people who are twenty you know 22 the last time they were able to vote you know they weren't even able to vote in the 2004 election some of them so like yeah. you know these young people who are just getting engaged i think that was kind of their first entry so it's almost like they haven't gone through the phase yet of of reconciliation of uh of realizing that it's all a facade you know they want right. to feel empowered still and I think that it's I do think it's necessary to go through that stage where you realize the system is rigged and you lose that feeling of empowerment for a little bit and you just realize how helpless it must be you know I mean look at countries who are worse off than us in, in, in democracy where they don't even have um you know elections where people are just you know kings get elected I mean so you just I don't know
1: yeah I mean I, I think it's important to be a realist So it's like it's a it's a fine balance between totally losing hope and to be like completely like the most idealistic person in the world where you think that Obama, you just put all your faith in like a person that we elect. I mean, yeah, I think it's a a fine line in realizing that, you know, we need to be leaders every single day. We need to be doing things every single day. We can't just go every four years and vote for someone and expect that that will do a goddamn thing. I mean, yeah, you can be idealistic, definitely, and that, and let that drive you, but also act every day with and make choices that support the world you want to see. I mean, that that's really what we need to be doing. I know that we gripe a lot about a, a lot about the federal government and stuff, but um, we do stuff every day that we feel is um, positive to society, and talking to people and communicating and just spreading these ideas, and that that's how we're really going to empower each other. Because I think that, yeah, the system's rigged. It's set up where we're not really, I mean, one vote doesn't really do too much. Um, of course, if everyone voted third party or like voted in Ron Paul or, or Ralph Nader, or Dennis Kucinich, maybe it would. But I really don't see that happening with the control and the extent of um, control over the political system. So I
0: absolutely agree. And, and it's almost like, let's just say, let's have a pipe dream here for a second and, think, and just imagine that Dennis Kucinich or Ron Paul got won the primary like the democratic republican primary then can you do you really think for a second they would actually let them rise to the ranks and and not rig it after that point i mean it almost just be a way to to just to reinforce oh yeah the whole thing's rigged because we did get our third party guy in and he's still yeah. like not. A, a, <laughs> i mean it just it just seems like you know look at uh, gravel or or i don't know like Nader. you know all yeah all it's gonna do is just be like oh yeah like Even when we did our best and actually did—we didn't vote for a Republican or Democrat this time, it still ended up getting us a Republican or Democrat, you know, who's generic because they rigged it against us. So that's kind of my—that's my fatal flaws. I I don't—I don't—I have no idealism about the electoral process on a federal level at all. I don't. But I have a lot of idealism of just about, you know, people just— Freed for the freedom of thought and and people not being tied down by these paradigms. I do think people will be increasingly broken free of these paradigms over time.
1: Yeah. I yeah, or at least I hope, the, I hope. Yeah, no, definitely. Hope hope is a strong strong thing to have. Uh one of the girls at the Occupy Oakland rally, she had a sign that I really liked that said we're not left, we're not right, we're human. And I was just like, I really like your sign because you know that these paradigms keep us fighting with each other and they're so divisive and she just said a really good piece about it um she said she woke up because her dad was really into Rush Limbaugh and he kept hamming and harping at her like you're a liberal and you think this and that and she was just like no like you're you're attacking me for all these things that I don't even believe like yeah I mean I consider myself a progressive thinker and open-minded but why are you pushing all these like definitions on me that i don't even subscribe to and so that's when she realized that the paradigm that was being pushed to divide and conquer even within her own family
0: yeah and i and i think the people at the very top um you know who reap the benefits the most out of all these government policies and who've been doing it the longest they love the fact that the conservatives and the Democrats, or sorry, the conservative and liberals and Republicans and Democrats are pitted against each other so childishly because the for the longer they are, the more distracted they'll be from what's really going on, and that is that we are now America is being used, is being hosed by you know the Fortune 500 and all these companies are using us for their own gain and we're just the biggest saps in the entire world right now.
1: Yeah, I love how people like think that it's it's um I don't know, they like don't they don't know who to blame. It's just like, "Oh yeah, we're all fucked. Like the economy is fucked yeah. up." And you're like, "But wait, do you understand that the, that Wall Street actually increased revenue like dramatically yeah. while all of us were getting more poor, losing our jobs and giving all of our money to bail them out. They were making Billions of dollars in bonuses, going on these luxurious vacations, and they all their profits have gone up. I'm sorry, but if you're a corporation, I thought capitalism was that if you fail, then you fucking fail. And if you win, then you win. Isn't that the whole system that we're supposed to be living under, these corporations? Why are we fucking bailing them out? That's, that's corporate socialism. I mean, we're not living under a capitalist system at all. The federal government's bailing out corporations so they don't go under. How is that capitalism? I don't understand that
0: and and you could argue too that maybe it's the eventual result of capitalism getting to where it is. I mean maybe that's maybe that's where it gets it goes eventually, and that it gets it's able to corrupt these government watchdogs so much that they just bend over backwards and eventually just give them money to save them. I mean that's the ultimate corruption, you know,
1: yeah it is it is the that ultimate they can campaign. hold
0: everybody hostage and say well shit if, if we fail then everybody's gonna fail it's like they shouldn't have the power to do that we should not allow a company to have that much power i yeah. mean that's why i think things like the glass Steagall act were good um and and i also think it's interesting too that a lot of people in the so-called patriot movement and, and in 9-11 truth who are more libertarian they used to subscribe to a lot of these ideas that that corporations were really the globalists, you know, that most of these so-called globalists or New World Order were being run by p- the richest people in the world. And now it's almost like, oh, no, it's just George Soros. You know, he's the most evil. It's like whatever. It's like now it's almost like they're just imitating and or parodying a lot of them, um, a lot of the same things Fox News say. And I'm actually kind of surprised because i mean there's so many other people involved i mean yeah george soros probably does put his money in a lot of bad stuff i mean i have no positive things to say about him but to um to single him out and not talk about like the hundred other billionaires in the world that are destroying america and (laughs) iraq and afghanistan i just it's just interesting to me
1: i wanted to say one more comment about about um the spirit of activism here in the bay area and and the differences between the 60s and now i mean i'm sure this is really obvious to some people but it it kind of dawned on me recently about why we're not getting on the streets i mean i know we are now but why we haven't been and it's because the draft hasn't been instilled and it's because the federal government doesn't need to instill the draft because we've completely privatized half of uh, the entire force of our military abroad the entire thing is now corporatized we have uh, you know, thugs for hire, running around, doing the work of what our military used to do. Obama pulled out 50,000 troops, put 50,000 military contractors in. Um, he awarded Z $20 billion just last year. Yeah, Z um, is Blackwater for anyone Z who is Blackwater's forgot. new little uh, alias because they're so fucked up. They had to, like, change their name because they had such... A Horrible reputation of just murder Conspiracy, we're still awarding them Contracts, I mean these people are Totally outside of the law Operating outside the law, so that's why we don't Need to instill the draft I mean I feel like it's so perfectly Not perfectly planned, it's just this is the way The world works now And you know Jeremy Scahill Wrote an incredibly comprehensive Absolutely superb Book called Blackwater My brother and I are reading right now and it just details so much about Blackwater that, I mean, I, you've heard these reports over the years, but he just puts it together in such an amazing way and really explains the lawlessness. People don't really know who to blame. You know, you look at someone like a company like BP or a company like Blackwater and you're just like, well, the federal government can't really do anything because they're kind of operating outside the federal government and you're like, but the federal government's hiring these companies. So really it is within their jurisdiction to regulate them and to hold them accountable for war crimes and murder. I mean, so you can't really give them a pass and you can't really give the government a pass for these corporations just acting lawlessly around the world in our name. That's totally unfair. And so scale really breaks that down how that's uh, happening really, really well. I mean, can you imagine if there wasn't a draft? The 60s would have, I mean, that whole movement would have never happened. Unless it totally affects your personal life, unless you have the war in your home and you know that you are, could possibly be sent to fight, then do you really stand up and say, what the hell is this war about? And do I really believe in it enough to give my life willingly to the government, to be a cog in the machine, to be put in the meat grinder for some rich elitists? I mean, that's when you really stand up and say, I don't believe in this, and you really do something about it. And I think that they really learned their lesson in the 60s, the, you know, the government and all these bureaucratic fucks. And I think now they've just known that if they privatize the military, that will never be an issue. It will never be an issue again if they privatize the military. And if they make the conditions so bad that poor people just feel like they have really no other options than to join the military.
0: Yeah. Um, I just went off on a rant. That was a good rant. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, there's there's so many um, interesting aspects to the way Blackwater um, – Operates. They have uh, several different subsidiary corporations. Um, they have a giant training center in the United States. It's one of the largest and most secluded full-scale military training facilities anywhere in the world. Um, Blackwater owns it. Blackwater has a fleet of aircraft and mariner crafts. So they have, it doesn't specify if they have submarines or what, but they have, airplanes, military airplanes. Um they also run a corporation that does that uh allows their services to be used by uh by other corporations. It's like a business to business service. So if you want to do CIA style black ops in your corporation, you can hire this Blackwater um subsidiary to do your work for you. And it's ran by two ex CIA executives. I mean they have everything. They have everything the army has practically, except for aircraft carriers. I mean they even they have enough m- people in their actual army to overthrow the US government if they really wanted to.
1: Yeah, and I mean this uh, it's so much more disturbing when you realize who's running this entire company and it's a totally psychotic individual who thinks that he is literally working for the Lord. I mean, he, he thinks that it, God is ordaining him to do everything that he does. So he has this power that is driving him that is really, really uh, tremendous when you think about it. I mean, what if you thought that your life's work was actually ordained by God? I mean, that would give you a lot of um, justification. It would, It would prompt you to do a lot of things that were kind of outside of what you normally thought you could do. And just to keep, I mean, and, and, when you, and when you don't have any, when you're not held accountable for anything, I'm sure he probably feels validated in his thought, you know, when you can just go around and conspire to murder certain people in your own company, when you just get away with just murdering people, um, in Iraq and other places and just doing all these corrupt things and you're never held accountable. I'm sure he probably validates that opinion that God is just ordaining him. And this is even more of the reason to keep doing what he's doing.
0: Yeah. To and, uh, a psychopath he's in some is an interesting uh, trifecta organization that's an organization of zionist jews uh christian pro- uh, pro- evangelical protestants and roman catholics this is a weird organization that definitely believes in eventually like people in this organization have written essays like you know they go out to all their members saying that that um, secularism has reached such an all-time high in the United States that at some point there's it's inevitable that Christians are going to overthrow the U.S. government. So the, Eric Prince is like one of the biggest contributors to this organization. So it's kind of actually scary if you think about it that this madman billionaire um, who's actually really cool under pressure. I mean, you should see his Senate hearing, the investigation that was done um about wasteful spending in the U.S. military and he was put on the spot for almost a whole hour. He doesn't break a sweat. He doesn't look nervous at all. I mean, the guy, it's extremely Robbie, impressive. God is talking through him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> imagine the power that would give you to make you feel that way. And uh, this guy was a Navy SEAL too. I mean, he's a hardened mf and he's... Yeah He uses the word Bad guys and terrorists Like over 50 times In the hearing To like just explain Why they shot civilians
1: Terrorism, terrorism, terrorism Terrorism, terrorism terrorism, Yeah You know the reason
0: why Some civilians might get caught In the crossfire Is because you know they, They like to dress like The bad guys So you know We can never really tell It's like They're just like the bad guys. guys. What do you
1: mean? They're just like citizens of Iraq. Yeah, somebody in a robe and a. a,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, a Muslim to a U.S. soldier like him (laughs) is going to be a bad guy.
1: The scariest thing about, about Eric Prince is that it's almost like he's embarking on a self fulfilling prophecy. Like he has this prophecy ordained or he thinks that it's ordained to him by God and he sees this whole thing laid out and he's just like embarking on it and he's making it happen. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you think that the Bible, like the end of times, I guess, is really coming. And if you are actually facilitating to make that happen, then that's really messed up, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's really messed up, and it's no different than, you know, the supposed uh, jihadi people who, you know, uh, believe that, you know, I don't even know if that's true, but like the, you know, 1972 versions thing or whatever. I mean, that's (laughs) that's probably not even true, really, but... (laughs) Um, I don't know What is
1: this thing that we just heard about The Saudi uh, The plot
0: Oh my god (laughs) Fake as (laughs) fuck Holy crap that's fake
1: (laughs) Is it just like a complete distraction Wait do you want to talk about this Yeah let's
0: talk about it Basically Mm -hmm. the FBI Supposedly caught And I put caught in quotes Because they were like Doing a sting operation on this guy They like Were They like knew about the plot And like followed him And surveilled him for like two months Before it was supposed to happen And then they arrested him you know, to me, I am always thinking in the back of my head. The FBI do so many weird sting operations nowadays. Sting operations are so accepted in law enforcement, even when there's been no crime committed. At least in my mind, like prostitution sting operations or these um, to catch a predator sting operations, where they where they arrest you know twenty five year old guys for um, saying sexual things to a supposed fourteen year old on the internet, but they're actually a cop, a sweaty dude in a chair, and a, and a you know a male police officer. So, I mean, who knows what kind of sting operation this uh, Saudi assassination plot thing was, (laughs) but the funniest thing (laughs) to come out of it was that Iran hatched this plot, that it was the Iranian government who tried to assassinate the Saudi ambassador on our land. And I'm sorry, but I find that to be laughable, that they would... Do something like that. I mean, (laughs) the reason... Yeah, I mean, if they wanted to do something to us, they would have already. I mean, they could have done something when we were in their waters when that thing happened. I mean, there's... You know, we uh, it's so yeah, it's really ridiculous. Very hard for me to believe.
1: It makes me wonder why they're kind of ramping up this uh, this propaganda right now. What are we gonna do? Are we kind of trying to zero in on Iran and saber-rattle them again? I just you know talking about FBI informants, I just thought of this absurd story <laughs> that I read about an FBI informant who was sent to infiltrate a California mosque, um, and he was actually made the subject of a restraining order initially after scaring Muslim worshippers half to death with his talk of radical, jihadi, violent extremism. He just goes there. By the way, the FBI was paying this guy... For 15 months of his work of trying to, quote, infiltrate this mosque, he was paid $200,000 of our taxpayer money to try to instigate a violent jihadist act within this mosque. And what ended up happening is that he scared the shit out of everyone there, and they actually reported him to the FBI. So it totally backfired. And it's just amazing to me that this is what we're spending our money on, is going and trying to instigate violence, really. It is a pretty astounding story. I, I, um, I'm going to post that on Media Roots right now. Um, but yeah, that, that's what the war on terror is all about, folks. Trying to go instigate uh, violent acts to justify the fact that there's terrorism. We see all these, there's all these crazy cases like the underwear bomber where um, al Waki. this whole thing about the underwear bomber is absurd. Did you hear about that update, Robbie?
0: I heard that he was just pled guilty.
1: Well, no, this is actually a really bizarre turn sue? of events. What, something else? Yeah, Kurt Haskell. Remember the guy we interviewed about yeah. the underwear bomber? All right, so for people who aren't following this story, Kurt Haskell is a lawyer based in, I think, Detroit. He was on the flight that the underwear bomber was on, um, and he came out with a very remarkable story after that whole incident happened. Um, he said that he was playing cards with his wife, sitting down, waiting for his flight, and he saw the guy, the underwear bomber guy escorted by a well-dressed man um, in his late 40s go up to the airline desk and say this man doesn't have a passport talking about the underwear bomber and he needs to be on the flight and the woman said well we don't allow people without passfor- passports on the flight and the guy said well we do this all the time literally th- those were his words and so Kurt really didn't think much of it until of course at, you know, when his flight was landing um, he saw the underwear bomber try to blow up the plane and he was like, wait, that's the same guy that I saw this this well-dressed man come to the desk and say, you know, this guy needs to get on the flight. So his whole story the whole time was that there was another, there was an accomplice, basically. There was someone who, like, put this guy on the flight, very suspicious. No one paid attention to his story. A couple of media outlets picked it up, but really no one followed up. The prosecution for the underwear bomber's case never followed up with Kurt. They haven't talked to him. So... Huge revelation. Um, the underwear bomber actually has called on his only witness. He's 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 basically representing himself in court, which kind of proves more along the point where he's maybe un- mentally unstable, or you know, why would this guy represent himself in court unless he's like a very um, unless he has experience doing that kind of thing, which he obviously doesn't. So anyway, he <laughs> called on Kurt Haskell as his only witness. The underwear bomber called on Kurt Haskell to be his sole witness in court.
0: Wow, that's pretty crazy.
1: So what the hell does that mean? I mean, does it mean that maybe he's like realizing his role as a patsy and he's trying to like expose it? I mean, what could this possibly mean? This could blow up the whole case.
0: Well, that's weird because I just heard on ABC News yesterday afternoon that he pled guilty already. What? Yeah. That's what I heard. I mean, I I don't know. So it's
1: like over? I don't understand.
0: Well, if you plead guilty, there's no trial. I mean, I don't know. I, that's what I heard. That's wow. what ABC News bizarre. told
1: me. I All don't right. know. Huh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Disregard that then. That's really, Well, I mean, really did you, where did you hear that yeah. in? Oh, I heard Kurt Haskell talking about it.
0: Oh, well, maybe maybe he thought there was going to be a trial and then the guy pled Guilty by surprise or something how well, long it's just it's
1: just really strange that first the guy wants to call kurt and then maybe he got pressured or who knows i mean why would you turn around and plead guilty if obviously you were building your case you know it's strange
0: it is strange wow oh um it says that the trial started in the second day of his trial in a six-minute speech he insisted his actions were righteous and that the true crime was US foreign policy so he totally like did the, like play like the blowback like card playing right into the hands of like the liberal guilt <laughs> um empi- empi- empire guilt philosophy that oh of course al qaeda could have done this to us because we deserved it because of our foreign policy
1: and what were you telling me the other day about the liquid explosives that weren't
0: nobody was ever put in jail for that so, we're still not allowed to bring liquids on a plane because of a group of people who were never charged with a crime. They were detained <laughs> for like two weeks and then they were all let go. That's and then, great And then also this underwear bomber thing I mean that's why we have the backscatter machines Like you were saying Because of the fucking underwear bomber Which is almost like a parody It's like Somebody in the administration was like Let's try to like pull like a joke An inside joke And like do it Like juke the terrorist stats And just like create like a Fake terrorist Okay what piece of clothing Have we done so far Oh underwear underwear Okay let's do like the underwear yeah. bomber Because like then that means We'll be able to look at people's underwear It'll be hilarious Let's see how far we can push it And they did
1: And they did And it's done Another really shocking thing that we just did was assassinate al Walkie, uh, U.S. citizen. Straight dead, son. Straight didn't dead.
0: Obama decided the death of an American citizen with no trial, no jury. No charges Just ba-dam
1: Ba-dam Knock dead boy
0: Yeah and I loved What Ralph Nader said In that new speech We recorded of his where Judge he said,
1: jury and executioner All in one
0: Yeah where he said That the new The new drones Are gonna come in the form Of the size of mosquitoes So to surveil you They'll just have to Land in your hair
1: He also said that 1984 was a masterpiece Of Understatement <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> He also said that 1984 was a masterpiece Of understatement Which I couldn't agree With more it's really, uh, technology is just so mind-blowing right now. The fact that we can have a drone the size of a piece of dust thanks so much for listening to media roots radio everyone uh don't forget to check out our SoundCloud timeline for an interactive guideline on all the resources and music we talked about and played on the show don't forget to visit mediaroots.org for a base of an archival base of information for everything that we've built upon for these shows don't forget to donate to media roots for uh supporting you guys